Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. We got several announcements this morning that we will make. Uh, I think Karen, I think you've got an announcement from our senior adults that got a trip that we're working on. So senior adults on the uh, 15th, uh, we've got uh, an outing to Boyette's to, to go eat fish at 11 430. Cost us $10 to see Kathy on that. Uh, get, get signed up for that. And then Megan, where are you at? Megan's got some stuff going on with uh, her children's uh, division. Uh, you're going to notice in the gym there's some clothes racks. They've got a, uh, I think, a consignment uh, this weekend. So. As I said, kids, don't be uh, playing monkey balls on the clothing rack today or This morning, uh, so uh, we'll be doing all kinds of media. 
couple of friends in San Francisco, and uh, JP uh, and Monica uh, Tucker uh, will have a phone for the cancer uh, surgery. Is it this week? Next week? All right. So we want to keep uh, Michael uh, in prayer and, and keep prayer for him. And then uh, Dr. Freddie and Ms. Nancy, their son is working for the State Department and is uh, in Russia. We all know that uh, what's going on over there today, and uh, I know that uh, there are as U.S. citizens to, to leave. I think uh, Andrew and them are still going to be there for uh, their job uh, with the State Department for, for a little while longer. But anyway, uh, in these times, we don't want to forget those that perhaps might be uh, in a place where uh, they could. Uh, harassed because they're a U.S. citizen, but uh, that's a connection with our church, so we want to pray for the freedoms and pray for them and their safety. We have been right into uh, Russia, certainly. So uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. We'll have an offering and start our worship today. Father, we want to thank you this morning for your grace and love and uh, just for the things that are going on here and the things that we get to do to serve you and to love you and honor you. Lord, we pray for Michael and his surgery that's coming up.
friends today, we want to say a word of welcome to you. If you're with us online, we'd like to welcome you as well. We're going to stand and greet our guests and neighbors, and then we'll continue on in our worship time as we sing a fellowship of the Lord together. So, Marty, your guests and neighbor, please. Thank you. 
church and as they do that, you take your Bible this morning and open to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to begin a new series of thought for the next several weeks, previewing the end of the age. 
be left here upon another, that shall not be drawn down. And he sat on the Mount of Olives. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. We'll stop there this morning. But in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at the continuation of chapter 24 and chapter 25. I want to encourage you to go ahead and read further and be studying that on your own so that when you get into this, uh, you're really familiar what Jesus is saying and talking about here. Now, let me just think for a moment about what's going on with you and what's happening here uh, at this uh, this time. Now, when you come to chapter 24, you've got really the beginning of the Passion Week. Of course, we're getting ready to go into the Easter season, and we know what the Passion story is, the, the death, uh, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, His burial, resurrection. And, of course, all of these things are getting ready to happen uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things are getting ready to transpire in the lives of the disciples. And they come into Jerusalem. This is the first part of that Passion Week. And uh, if you were to back up and look at chapter 22 and chapter 23, you would see that Jesus has been in the temple. He has been going to the temple, which has been his custom, which would have been a custom of any rabbi in that day. Jesus was very much as a rabbi, as a teacher, and he would go in and he would teach. And the scribes and the Pharisees and the Herodians and uh, just uh, all that, that had an issue with Jesus uh, that wanted to somehow trap Jesus, get Jesus in trouble, uh, to somehow do away with him and kill him, of course, uh, they, they kept coming up and trying to figure out some way they could get Jesus in trouble with, with uh, perhaps a question about the law, about, uh, about God, about himself. And, and so they, 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 they've asked Jesus these series of questions. And, and of course, Jesus has you know, given the perfect answer in every way. But when we get to chapter 24, Jesus is now leaving the temple. And you can just put in your mind what's going on. They're walking out of the temple of Jesus and the disciples. And you've got to also remember that this has been a day where there were a lot of hotels and places to stay. Housing would have been really scarce during this time because uh, during the, the, the Passover week and during this festival time, the, the, the population there in Jerusalem was swelling. And it wouldn't have been uncommon for them to, okay, we're going to walk of the temple, we're going to go you know, through that Kidron Valley, we're going to go up on that mount of olives there in that uh, kind of garden-esque setting, but you're going to find it's just a nice little fluffy ground somewhere, and kind of spread out and lay down, and that's where we spend the evening here uh, under the stars of the rose tree, you know, somewhere there. And that's kind of what's happening. And as the disciples are making their way out of the temple, they are looking at this temple. Also got to keep in mind too that this temple was an absolutely amazing structure uh, in that day. Imagine driving into Halloween 
story book, uh, it would have been unbelievable in its beauty and in its majesty and in its glory. There would have been uh, around it, of course, uh, small homes. Most people live in what maybe a 12 by 12 room with mud walls and a thatch roof, and you know, living conditions weren't like they are today. And so the, the temple itself was truly magnificent. And of course, the temple itself spoke to the glory of God. And, uh, and, and every Jew, every Hebrew person was very proud of it. And, and these disciples were proud of it. And, and they just couldn't help themselves but to say to Jesus, Look at this temple. Look at something. And, uh, and Jesus looks at it and he goes, It's fixing to come down. It's fixing to destroy they're like, what? Say, so, what? Well, and Jesus goes, yeah, it's not going to last very long. I mean, this blew them away. This was a earth-shaking comment that Jesus is making here. And so they're like, well, you've got to tell us about this. How is this going to happen to the temple? How is the temple going to be destroyed? And, of course, Jesus had been teaching about the things that are going to come to pass, the things that are going to happen at the end. And then Jesus has also been talking about the end of the thing. And now the disciples are full of questions. And really, when you look at it, you kind of think well, these disciples are really asking some deep, wonderful spiritual questions. Uh, and they, they, were really, they were really in tune. But the truth is, as you, as you look at it, uh, their questions aren't all that good, all, all that deep. Really not the uh, intent with where Jesus has been trying to get them to be, but chapter 24, chapter 25, Jesus is going to try to help them. He's going to try to get them where they need to be because they they have all these questions. They're getting ready to go through this trial. They're getting ready to go through all of this turmoil of, of his death and uh, uh, the loss that they have in following him. And of course, the, the, the resurrection itself and the birth of this new ministry of the truth. All this is getting ready to transfer. And of course, also Jesus rightly predicts that what the temple will be destroyed. And then in 70 AD, the Romans come in and listen, they what? Destroyed the temple. As a matter of fact, they did it exactly as Jesus said they would. They didn't leave one stone left behind. As a matter of fact, they went out and they took the uh, uh, the olive trees there on the Mount of Olives, uh, we were told, the stories tell us, and they came in and they stuck those olive trees all around uh, the inside and the outside of the temple walls, and they lit them on fire. The natural oil of those olive trees acted like an accelerant, and the, the walls got so hot the temple was overlaid with gold. The gold laid uh, ran down to the cracks of, the, of those uh, giant stones in the temple. And once uh, that gold got hot and it melted and ran into the cracks and it cooled, the Roman soldiers then went in. And what they did, they began to push those stones over and dig out that gold because that was that was their reward for uh, going in and putting down the in Jerusalem, and literally not one 
stone. And these were massive stones. was left upon the country. I mean, just as Jesus had said. But all this was going to happen is they needed to understand that the things that were happening were happening according to the will of God and not to be shaken by it. And so that's where we're at today. Uh, we're full of questions about what is going on in our world. What was happening when we look at what's happening in Ukraine and in Russia and in China? And what's happening in the Middle East? What's, what's going on right now in the world? And the good news is, God has given us a plan for that. The interesting thing about uh, these two chapters together, as you look at them, the questions that the disciples ask Jesus, this is actually the longest answer that Jesus gives uh, in all of Scripture to really what, what is the end of the age going to be like? And so when Jesus gets ready to start giving the answer here, he's going to give a, a, a very detailed answer. Now let me just back up before we give this first uh, sign this morning and just kind of give a preview of what the Bible teaches. And this is what I believe. Uh, you'll find where others and folks don't believe quite this, but that's all right. They can be wrong. Uh, I'm going to give you what I believe and uh, what I believe the Bible teaches. And uh, so you'll kind of have a working idea of, of how things will, will play out according to Scripture. Now, right now, we live in what we call the church age. Right? That is the age, the time, when Christ has come. He's died. He's risen again. He has ascended to heaven. And we are living under the promise of what? That's 
that's in, in the preview of God. We're going to see it matter of fact in Matthew when Jesus says, guess what? I don't know. That's reserved for the Father. And uh, even I don't know when the age and the grace of the children will come to an end. But there was coming a day where the Heavenly Father will say to the Messiah, go get your church, go get your bride. And what's going to take place is what the, we as Christians call the rapture. And that hurts some folks because people say, well, the rapture's not in the Bible. Well, that's all right. You, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible either. But the idea, the concept, the truth of the Trinity is in the Bible. And the word rapture is simply a word that means to be caught up, or to be caught up with force, to be taken up. And that concept is found in the Bible. Paul teaches it in Corinthians. Paul teaches it in Thessalonians. John talks about it in uh, Revelation. And uh, there are other places that uh, it's taught about. Now, when you hear the, the, the thought of the rapture, you'll hear uh, at least four different views that people have on the rapture. You'll hear uh, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, and main-tribulation. You say, well, what's all that about? I didn't even get to get into that. Pre-tribulation says that Christ is going to come. It is a mysterious secret coming that Jesus is going to come in the clouds, in the air, he's going to catch up the church, catch up all the saved that are here before the period of the tribulation. Now, the period of the tribulation is a seven-year period in which God is pouring out his judgment upon the world. We read about that in Revelation, all right? Just a specific, literal seven-year period. Now, so some believe, and I believe, that it will happen, the rapture will happen before the tribulation time before the judgment of God is poured out upon this world. Now, some people believe that the rapture will come. It's what, what they call the mid-tribulation. You're in the middle of that seven-and-a-half-year, uh, or that seven-year, at the three-and-a-half-year point, when the Antichrist sets himself upon the throne and proclaims himself to be God, there are those that believe that's the point where the rapture takes place. I know that some do. And then there are those that think, well, the rapture won't happen until the end of the tribulation period, and at the end, when Christ comes uh, in his second coming, the rapture will take place then, and it will all happen together. I don't believe that either. And then there are some who you might call the pan-tribulation folks. They just kind of believe that don't worry about it. It will all pan out and it all work out one way or another. Just be ready no matter what happens. All right? So that's a view, too. That might be where you're at. That's not where I am. But anyway, so I believe there is a, a, a rapture period. There is coming a point. It can come at any moment. It can come today. It can come before we say the last amen of this sermon. It can come before the sun sets tonight. And, and I will say to you that uh, there is not one biblical uh, prophecy that I'm aware of and know of that prevents Jesus from coming back. Okay? I don't know of anything we're waiting on that would say, okay, he can't come back right now. Now, I'll also say this, because this is a question that needs to be answered since we're going to be on the subject of the, of the rapture. Well, who gets to go? Who's raptured out? Well, I want you to hear me. Christians, believers are raptured out. Those who have been born again, saved by the blood, in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what 
God. That's what the Word of God teaches clearly. Now, what about children? Well, when we get to children, things get a little bit more tricky. Again, I'm going to give you what I believe, uh, not necessarily what I can say beyond a definitive statement, but what I believe to be true. I believe that children who are of Christian parents are under the covenant. So if a child is a young child and they've not reached an age of accountability, um, then uh, they are under the covenant promise. If a mom and a dad are both Christians, they're, they're under the covenant promise. And I believe in the grace of God that they would get to go with mom and dad. Now, I would say this, don't you hear me? If one parent is not a Christian, a mom or a dad, all bets are off. I don't know. That may or may not be uh, something that God's grace wants them to hear up. And if you're a child, and you're, say, 13, 14 years of age, and you are at an age for accountability, mom and dad are saved, and you've been, and God's been working on your heart, and you've been putting him on, your friend, all bets are off, and you get to go as well. See, this is why it's so important for us to, as a church, be in children's ministry. We want to get our kids to help for sure. I'm not kidding. It's bad enough the idea that, that, that someone could be left behind uh, in a world that's getting ready to be judged of God. Uh, it, it, it's a horrible thought that, that it could be a child. So what I'm, what I'm trying to explain to you this morning is just this issue of the rapture uh, is a worrisome thing. And God says we're to be prepared, we're to be ready. In chapter 25, Jesus gives the parables, and, and, and there, a bunch of what he's going to talk about, there is about the imminency of his coming, the sureness and, and, and the suddenness, and, 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 and why we need to be ready. So there is this rapture that takes place. And then there is seven years, I believe seven little years, where God pours out his judgment upon this world. Now, I believe the church is raptured out uh, uh, in a lot of reasons, but one reason is because I don't believe God ever pours his wrath out upon his, his children. And it's a time where God pours out his wrath. And I'm going to tell you the first three and a half years are going to be horrible, but the second three and a half years, the Bible it's, it's the only thing in which the Bible, uh, it's the only time in which the Bible says it's a period of great tribulation. It, 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 it's unimaginable. It, it, it's not even really uh, able to be put into words how bad it's going to be. Jesus said, you, you're going to pray for the mountains to fall upon you. It's going to be so hard. And at the end of that seven-year period of hell on earth, Jesus is going to return. And then, listen. He's going to judge all that is to be judged. And then Jesus is going to set up this in his millennial reign. We're going to have a thousand years on earth of peace like we've never known. And Jesus is going to show his work. And then at the end of the thousand years, Jesus is then going to bring an end to all things, wrap it up, and be there in eternity as the final things and the final judgments of God. So 
So I want you to see this morning, if you didn't understand all that, to see that there is a program that God has given us throughout His world to play out. But how do we know we're doing it? How do we know we're getting close? You know, that's what Jesus is talking about. And real quickly this morning, I'm going to give you the first sign. And in the weeks ahead, this is what we're going to look at. Next week, we'll talk about uh, wars and rumors of wars. But I just want you to see this morning, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, Take heed, no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive you. Two things I want you to see. Number one, the dire warning. We are living in an age that I think is the age of deception. Maybe the age of deception was never before. You know, information is running wild. You can find out almost anything and everything you want to know about anything and everything today. You know, we've gone through a period of one election where we have heard a lot of news about Russia now is fussing about what they want to call the fake news because they don't like some of the news that's coming back from them. But you know, everybody has a spin on the news today. Everybody seems to have their own spin on what's going on and what's taking place. You know, and one of the hardest things for us to do is to just discern what's what's true and what's false and you know, what's real and what's fake. And, 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 and there's, it's so easy. To be deceived. Uh, there was a report that came out of uh, Ukraine uh, about, I think there was a, a, a ship or something that had uh, wore its stand or something, and they thought perhaps all of them were lost, and they come to find out that, well, uh, they had to have a war stand, but none of them had been killed. Uh, some of the news reports weren't quite as uh, dramatic as they made out to be, and then you scratch your head and say, well, what can you do? That's where we are in our world today. I mean, it, so when we talk about what do we believe about the Bible, it shouldn't, it shouldn't shake us to think that there's deception out there over the Word of God. Folks, we, we swim in a sewer of deception anyway, trying to figure out what's right, what's up, what's down, what's true. There's a dire warning that Jesus says, you and I need to pay caution. Now, one of the reasons that we come to church, one of the reasons that, that we come together, is so that we can be sure that we're getting it right, that we can hold one another accountable, that we can uh, uh, come together and, and discern rightfully in the Spirit of God the Word of God. I was talking to someone this week who was sitting down and they got to asking me some questions, and, 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 and they were they were pretty basic questions about life and, and, and salvation and, 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 and things of, of the Bible. With, I kind of got, I got a little tickled. I said to myself, I said, Chris, you've got to forget sometimes that folks, I mean, it's, you forget sometimes, Chris, that sometimes folks aren't where you are. Uh, I mean, I, I have the, 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 the blessing and the privilege to 
be able to study, get to have gone to school, get to apply myself, and I have a call of God upon me, and have a lot of blessings to help me know some things that I sometimes take for granted that I think everybody knows just because I know. And, uh, and then what may be basic to me isn't very basic for you or, or for someone else. And, and, but my point is that that's why we do church. Because you know what? We don't all know it all. And we don't all have all the answers. And when we come together, and that's why God says in His Word, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together, as is the matter of some. And in part because we swim in this the sea of deception of falsehood in this world, uh, that the Satan himself is called the, the father of lies. He is the master of lies. We, we need to know the truth about love, about eternity, about who we are, and what God wants of us. So there's this dire warning. And then Jesus says, be careful of the deceptive way. He says in verse 5, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You know, in the years past, I was looking at this passage, I was looking at some of the places that I've preached in the past, and some of the, the, the messages on the false Christ or counterfeit Christ. And, you know, through the years, it's amazing to see the people who, who proclaim to be Christ. You know, you've got uh, the David Koreshes and all the others that have been throughout history. And I was reading, there's, a, there's some guy over in Russia right now, he was uh, on big TV. I'm not talking about Vladimir Putin, but there's another guy who's a, a KGB lieutenant, and, and he dresses up like Jesus, uh, certainly, I think was his name. But anyway, he tells everybody he, he's Jesus, and he, he says he's Jesus now, and he, he rules the lands and things. And there's a couple that I think I heard or read about, they live down in Australia. says he's Jesus and his wife is Mary Magdalene and they run a website and they have people that uh, that follow them uh, as Jesus and Mary Magdalene. I mean, there's UFOs out there, all right? And I think most of us kind of know, all right, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a freaking right there. That's easy to push them aside. But you know what? I got to thinking about this. As, as Jesus says, there's many that are going to come in my name. Uh, and, and, and don't be deceived. Well, you know, surely he can't be talking to us. But then I got to reading something this week, and I thought, you know, I don't know. Uh, Daniel Garland uh, wrote an article for church leadership, and he gave 10 counterfeit Christ for today. Let me give it to you right quick. Just think of this. He said, there are those that want to worship, first of all, guru well, who's guru Jesus? Jesus, who is the Jesus of enlightenment. They just look at Jesus as some great guru who's just got good, enlightening words about philosophy and life and how to live. He said some people worship the red-letter Jesus. In other words, the only thing that they follow are the red-letter words of the Bible. Anything else that's not red-letter, they just don't even read. I know one pastor that... Uh, said not too long ago uh, that we need to unhitch our wagon from the Old Testament and just do away with it. Dear friend, we, we read the complete Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. We hold it all together. It all holds together. And 
the other parts of the Bible that portray there are some issues and problems, but we don't just dismiss it. We don't just get rid of it. And we just don't read the red letters of Jesus and say, okay, that's all there is to be out of it. He went on to say there are some who worship great part of Jesus. He said this is often seen around uh, the men's group. Men being better men. Men being better fathers. And, and, and the whole thought of Jesus is just being great heart Jesus. Just being a good man. He said there are those that worship American Jesus. Or cultural Jesus. In other words, uh, Jesus fits in American culture. Whatever the American culture is saying is good and acceptable. Well, that's, that's the gospel today. There are those that worship social justice Jesus, that all it is is about helping the poor and, and helping those who have been oppressed. And uh, there's a big, big social movement uh, today, social justice movement today, that, that, that talks a lot about Jesus, but it's all about what we can do to make life on earth better, more fair, and more uh, equitable. He said there's the Dr. Phil Jesus that people uh these are the uh, those that like to kind of be in your face and think that uh, they've got an answer to all the problems of life, and, and they're all about tough love, Jesus. There's prosperity, Jesus. Those that can just, well, take the Bible and, and name it and claim it and live in faith, and God's going to bless, and everything's a, a life of roses. He said there's post-church, Jesus. And that's those that believe that, well, we don't even need the church anymore. The church has ceased to be uh, a mechanism or an instrument uh, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that, that Christ wants to move in our life. And we're, you know, we don't need church to worship him. And so there's post-church Jesus today. He said there's being a God Jesus. I'm going to probably tell you what that is. Being a best friend. You know, a best faith friend. Jesus, my co-pilot. And then he said, there's legalist Jesus. Jesus in a box. You know, uh, Jesus does what I think Jesus is supposed to do. If we only live and, 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 and relate to Jesus in a certain sort of way, and, and Jesus, you know, is in a box. Now, the point of all of that is this. We have to be careful when it comes to Jesus. Because we all, if we're not, we're not. Want to make Jesus who we want him to be. And to a degree, that's what the disciples are doing here. What do you mean the temple's going to be destroyed? What do you mean you're coming again? What do you mean of these things that you, you've been talking about? You know, he, he talks about the scribes and Pharisees there in chapter 23, and he's talking about uh, what it really is, what, what it really means to be righteous. How the righteousness has to be better than what uh, is, is put out by the scribes and the Pharisees. The disciples were like, We thought we had it figured out, Jesus. He said, No, you didn't. You need to know me. You're real. And so, dear friend, we worship the Jesus in the Bible. The Jesus that's presented to us in Genesis chapter 1, where God believes sin. sacrificial sacrifice to cover their sin as a forward-looking sacrifice that could be their sin. And we see all through the Old Testament 
And we see Jesus in the New Testament. And we see Jesus in the letters to the church. And we see Jesus in the book of Revelation. And his prayer of The signs are there. But I believe that God would rather does. Now, I used to listen to Dr. Robert all the time. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website 
cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.